Well, good morning. Well, I'm Fred Wolford. I'm the pastor of men's ministry here at the Rock Community Church. Today, I want to talk about worship. And we started talking about um, worship in the sense that, that maybe some of you really don't uh, aren't, aren't, don't think about it in this, in this way. And it's the worship that we have uh, of, of handling the things of God. You know, we sing praises. We come in here and we do our praise songs and we, we do prayer requests and we, we ask God for forgiveness. But praise and worship is what we give back to God. It's us saying, you know, Lord, thank you for what you've given us. It's, Lord, we want to praise you and, and honor you with our voices in, in, in our lives. And we want to bring glory to your name. And that's what worship's about. And, and, and that's what we need to be. We need to be people of worship. And we need to be able to say thank you, Father, for all that he has given us and all the things that he has blessed us with, that he's given to us according to his will and his grace in our life. If you were here at last um, third Friday, uh, not last night, by the way, if you weren't here Friday night at third Friday, you missed an, just an incredible third Friday. We, guys, if you don't, haven't been to them, our third Fridays are just blessings. We, uh, Pastor Bill Morris uh, came and talked about Joshua. He talked about what it means to be a mentor, be, a, be a, even a, a mentee, to be involved with other people's lives, to help one another grow in the Word of God. And then Pastor West got up and he talked about marriage, and it was so appropriate because we're in the book of Genesis of men's ministry and in some of the women's ministry classes. And we're talking about, we're in Genesis 2 and 3, and we're right there at that point of the fall. And, and it's a great place where Pastor West came and talked to us about what it means to, to have a marriage that's focused on Jesus Christ and, and how to do uh, reconciliations. And he and his wife, Patty, came up and did an incredible job just kind of talking about their lives and sharing with us about what it means and, and how to resolve issues with their, in their lives. And, and I, I would say to you guys, if you haven't been there, Third Friday is one of those nights when just the body of Christ comes together and we just break bread, we fellowship, we talk, we have fun, we have child care. And guys, it's a cheap date night. It's only 10 bucks a person. You know what I mean? Come on, you know. It's not, it's not that... Big a deal. So, you know, take your wives out and, uh, and have some fun. But um, it was a great time. So I would encourage all of you to be part of our Third Friday program. But we talked last Third Friday about how big God is. We talked about the universe. We talked about just an incredible God we have and, and how really, really small we are as people. And yet, in spite of that... God says in his word that he loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son and that whoever would believe in him would never perish but have eternal life, right? That's how much he loves us. And if we're going to worship God, we need to right-size our God. He's a big God and he loves us very, very much. In men's ministry, we were doing a study on Wednesday morning in Proverbs uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, on how we worship God and the way in which we live our daily lives. And in, in verse 5 of that, we looked at what it means to, to worship God by the way in which we trust in God and not in ourselves. You know, we don't lean on our own understanding, but we turn over our lives to God and trust Him to give us direction, to trust Him in, in how to, to lead us and guide us. 
Then we looked at verse 9, and we looked at what it means to give back to God. You know, tithing is always a difficult subject in the church, but when we realize it as part of our worship, that God gives us so much. In fact, everything that we have is God's grace, whether it be salvation or our houses or our cars, whatever. It's just God's pouring out his love and his grace in our lives. It's his provisions for us. And, and we worship him by, like we did a few minutes ago, by just giving back to him a portion of what that is. It doesn't matter what it is, but it's the heart condition. It's where our heart is when we come to worship God. And then we looked at verse 11 in men's ministry about, this, about discipline. And God disciplines all of us at some point in time. And he does that because he loves us, not because he wants to punish us. He wants to get intimately involved in our lives, and he does that by correcting us when we get a little bit off the path. And he brings us back into line through discipline, and we worship him, we praise him because he does that, because he cares so much for us. That's how much he loves us, that he's willing to correct us. And you as parents know what that feels like when it comes to your children. Well, today I want to look at a different part of worshiping God in our daily lives, and that is through the concept of being a watchman, a watchman for the Word of God. And we do that by the way in which we handle the Word of God and the way in which we handle the truth of God's Word, the Word that He has entrusted to us as believers to deliver to a dying world. And we, we, we worship Him by the way in which we honor it, and the way in which we respect it. So we're going to see that tonight, today, in the book of Ezekiel. So if you would turn to Ezekiel, um, it's Ezekiel 3. You have Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. If you get to Daniel, you've gone too far. And we're going to take a look at what that looks like. A watchman. When we talk about the concept of being a watchman, What we're looking at is that people set aside individuals to stand guard over something. They could be standing guard over a a field. They could be standing guard over a vineyard. They could be on the wall of a city standing guard over the city. Or they could be, like in Ezekiel's case, they could be a a guard over the spiritual well-being of something. In this case, Ezekiel over the house of Israel. And the purpose of the watchman is to, to stand guard and protect and to watch out for the thieves that would come, for the enemy that would come against that city or that field. And when they see the enemy coming, their responsibility is to tell somebody, warn somebody, hey, the enemy is coming. So the watchman has two primary responsibilities, and that's to guard, and that is to warn. And we see in Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 17, that God has established Ezekiel as the watchman, the spiritual watchman over the house of of Israel. He says, Son of man, I have appointed you a watchman to the house of Israel. And whenever you hear the word from my mouth, I want you guys to remember those words. When you hear the words from my mouth, and we're going to talk further about that in a few minutes, then I want you to take those words, basically, saying and, and, and warn them of me and from me. And what God has done with Ezekiel, he has done with the prophet Daniel and Jeremiah and Isaiah. He's put them in place in order to speak to the people about his coming judgment against those who would be in disobedience to him. 
who have rejected him. They're kind of God's megaphone here on earth. We don't need prophets today, do we? Well, we got the very word of God here. So we don't need that role anymore, but we have this. And the role of Ezekiel and others was to properly take the word of God from his mouth and then tell the people what God says. As modern-day watchmen, nothing has changed for you and me. We have the word of God. And our responsibility as believers is to properly take this word and accurately repeat it and expound it to a lost and dying world. What's that message? What's that truth that we're supposed to convey? John 14.6, Pastor West mentioned it on on Friday. You all know it. Jesus said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one, no one comes to the Father except through me. And that's the truth. And that truth hasn't changed in 2,000 years because Jesus Christ hasn't changed. Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. It is through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone that we are saved. And that truth is perpetual. His word hasn't changed. His truth hasn't changed. And we have no right to change it. Pastor John reminds us almost every weekend that there are people in churches that are changing the very word of God to suit their individual or collective needs or agendas. They want the benefits of God's grace. They just don't want to submit to the authority that's behind it. They want to pick and choose and ignore those parts that hold them accountable to the word of God. Hold your place in Galatians and turn, I'm sorry, hold your place in Ezekiel and turn to Galatians. The role of watchmen is to stand guard of the word of God so that it doesn't get distorted by men and men's idea of what God's word should say. The Apostle Paul proclaimed the same warning to the Galatians in chapter 1 about guarding the word of God. He said in verse 6, he says, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting, deserting him who has called you by grace, by the grace of Christ. His unmerited favor has been bestowed upon all of us. You're deserting that, he's saying, for a different gospel. And that's the gospel that man has overlaid on God's word. That's the gospel that man has interjected into the people's lives. So I'm surprised that you are, are leaving that which you know, which is the grace of Christ, for something that man makes up. Why? So which, which is really not another gospel, only that there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. He said, but if even we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached, then he should be accursed. And we have said it before, and I'll say it again. If any man is preaching to you a gospel, in other words, if a man's preaching to you a gospel, and that's contrary to what God, what Christ's gospel is, then let him be accursed. For he says, am I now seeking the favor of men, or am I seeking the favor of God? If I'm str- or am I trying to please men? 
He said, if I was trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant to God. Guys, we can't serve two masters. We can't please man and God. We can't take the gospel of man and then turn around and say, oh yeah, we're believers in Jesus Christ. They're diametrically opposed. The gospel of man and the gospel of Christ are different. They, they're contradictory. We can't, we can't step in one side and step on the other. We can't have one foot on the train and one foot on the platform because guess what? The train's leaving the station and you're going to have to make up your mind. You have to make a decision. Am I going to please men? Am I going to stay in that gospel or am I going to let it go and be in the gospel of Jesus Christ? But you can't have it both. God takes his word very seriously, and so should we. We need to ask ourselves the very same question. When, when we open up this word and we share it with somebody, are we trying to please ourselves? Are we trying to please our friends? Are we trying to you know, make it easier for our children, our family members, so they don't you know, leave us? Or are we going to say, here's the word of God, and deal with it? We can't do both. We can only do one or the other. And if we're going to be worshipers of God, God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, then we need to hold fast to the accuracy of what is written. i got to tell you guys that uh, this hit me really strong one time. About four years ago, we had our last, our last men's retreat over down in San Diego at the, when we were at the other church. And um, back in 2003, I think it was. And I think we had eight, 900, 900 men, 900 men there at that conference. And Pastor Wes is, was the men's ministry pastor, and he was always the kind of the go-to guy. He was the one who would be up in front of the guys encouraging them and doing invitations to bring them down to accept Christ. And so he was doing all of that. And then, uh, but there was a lot going on that year. So... Um, he looked at me and said, you know, Fred, hold this. I go, what's this? He says, that's the mic. <laughs> what am I supposed to do with it? He says, talk. Hi. And, and, and there I was. I was on. I was the go-to guy. I've never really talked in front of a large group of people in my life. And, and I was the opening act on Friday night. And I'm going, oh, this is going to be a lot of fun. And so... I, I, I prepared all week, and I, I'm getting ready because I, I'm going to be going out there. And about oh, about 20 minutes before this, the, we started on Friday night, the band's finished up dialing in and tuning up, and they're ready to go. And I'm in the backstage, and suddenly I just started crying. I just started sobbing. I mean, I was like, like Hoover Dam just opened up, and I was just, <laughs> and, and I, I was, it's uncontrollable. I, and I couldn't understand why, what was going on with me. For those who know me, it is so out of character. I, I mean, if, if you know me, I don't cry. I mean, you know, Danny Roach cries, Pastor West cries, Pastor John cries. They'll, drop, they'll cry at a drop of a hat. I'm going, what? what? <laughs> I, I don't get it. I, I'm telling you guys, if I die and come to my funeral, don't shed any tears. I won't know what to do with them. You know, it's just... <laughs> I, I just not who I am. I don't. I just not my character to to cry over things. And I'm backstage sobbing. I got guys walking by me, going, "Fred, fuck up, man. This is men's ministry." <laughs> and I'm, 
I couldn't figure out what was going on in my life at that point in time. And, and suddenly it hit me. Suddenly I realized that I'm about to walk out on stage and I'm going to tell people about Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell them about how wonderful he is. I'm going to tell them how beautiful he is. I'm going to tell them about how amazing and describable he is. And I'm going to tell them about his saving grace. And I'm going to tell them, so saith the Lord. And in that moment, it hit me. What hit me was the incredible responsibility and burden that I had and what I was about to say. And was it my words or God's words? And I go, oh, my gosh. And I started praying. I go, Lord, not me. Not my words. He said back in Ezekiel, he said, when, when I speak to you from my mouth, my words, then you go out there and tell them that. But don't tell them what you think. I was scared to death. Not about speaking. I was scared to death of what I was going to say. Was I speaking, so saith Fred, or was I saying, so saith the Lord? Was I, was I getting up there trying to please men, please myself? Or was I trying to please God in the words that I was going to say? It scares me to death that I would overlay my thoughts or my words or my meanings over that of the Lord's. And it should scare each and every one of us as watchmen, as watchmen over the Word of God about what we say on behalf of God. And more importantly what we allow others to say about God. Because there's a lot of people out there who are going to tell us and trying to convince you and me and our children that there are many ways to God. There's many ways to God. And we all worship the same God. And the answer to that is, no, we don't. We're rather exclusive in what we believe to be true. That, to me, is what a watchman does. He holds the line on God's word. He doesn't move. I remember a number of years ago that um, what struck me, my, Linda and I had a lady friend who had two children, young, uh, grown adults, who had come to know the Lord, they born-again Christians. And we would go over there and talk about religion. I wasn't a believer then. And one thing that drove me nuts about them is that when it came to the word of God, they did not budge. They held fast. They wouldn't waver. I couldn't get that. I couldn't understand. I couldn't budge them from my position. And I realized that I don't know what it is that they have, but I want that because they know exactly what they have, and they're not budging from it. And that's what watchmen do. They don't budge when somebody comes against them. If you turn back to Ezekiel and go to Ezekiel 33, we're going to take a look at what God says about all of these conditions. In 33, verse 1, it says, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, speak to the sons of your people and say to them, If I bring a sword upon the land. Let me tell you guys, the sword is God's judgment. He's going to bring judgment upon those who live in disobedience to him. He's going to bring judgment against those who, who reject him. He's going to bring judgment upon those who continue to live their lives without Christ. And for those who who die without him, they have judgment. And they are going to die. He said, tell them, and here's the warning, that the people who do not believe and who do not obey, he says, the judgment, the sword is coming against them. And he says, 
And the people of the land take one man among them and make them a watchman. And he sees the sword that's coming upon the land and he blows the trumpet, the big ram's horn, and warns the people Then he who hears the word of the trumpet and does not take warning, his sword comes and takes him away and his blood will be on his own head. In verse 5 he says, He heard the sound of the trumpet but did not take the warning. His blood will be on himself. But had he taken warning, he would have delivered his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, and the people are not warned, that sword's still coming. And it's going to take that person, and he will die in his inequity. But his blood, he said, I'll require the watchman. He says, now as for you, son of man, I have appointed you a watchman over the house of Israel. So when I give you a message from my mouth, my word, you're to give them a warning for me. And when I say to the wicked, oh, wicked man, you will surely die, and you do not speak that warning to that wicked man, that wicked man is going to die in his inequity, but it's the blood I'm going to require of you. But if you, on your part, warn a wicked man to turn away from from his way and he does not turn from his way, then he will die in his inequity. For you, you will be delivered with your life. There's a couple of things I think we need to look at. Besides the fact that the watchman's responsibility is to guard guard God's word, the other thing is that he needs to, to teach God's word. Another area we want to look at here in a few minutes is the responsibility of those who hear the God's word. And, and what they hear is so dependent upon we as watchmen, what we say. And I want to take a look at the issue of accountability. Look back at verse 7. It says, Now, for you, son of man, I have appointed you a watchman for the house of Israel, so you will hear a message from my mouth and give them warning. God's warning through Ezekiel and through his word is one of repentance. We have this wonderful group called Student Ministries over there, and their, their icon is 180. It's the turning away from where they're going and turning back towards God. It's the turning away from their sinfulness and turning towards forgiveness. It's their turning away from being in darkness and turning towards light. And it's their turning away from death and turning towards eternal life. That's what they're learning today. That's what's wonderful about that. That's what it's all about. People then, as now are in sin. We are all sinners out there, saved by grace. People were living lives in disobedience to God then, and people are living lives of disobedience to God today. People were rejecting God's word then, and they're rejecting God's word today. And God cut them off then, and he's going to cut them off today, for they have rejected their only hope of salvation. And God has called us as watchmen, standing on the wall and warning the coming judgment of those who will not believe in Jesus Christ. You don't have to change, but Romans 10 says this. How then will they call on him who they they don't believe? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? Let me tell you guys, we're all preachers of the word of God. Some from from the pulpit, but more from our living rooms. But, but guarding the word of God and warning people is only part of our responsibility. We need to warn them with the things that will save them. We need to warn them with the very truth of God's word. 
God's word changes people's lives, not mine, not yours. This changes lives. And if we start distorting this, we can't save them. God's word changes lives. And that's what we need to hold on to because Jesus Christ is the way. He is the only way. He is the truth and the life. And that is the message that we teach. There is no other message that can be proclaimed because there's no other way. And we don't have the time nor do we have the right to tickle the ears of those who would prefer to hear something a little bit less convicting with little or no need to respond. The message hasn't changed in 2,000 years. It is the same message of judgment, repentance, forgiveness, and restoration in Jesus Christ that Jesus Christ taught and that we teach today. The responsibility that you and I have as watchmen is to preach the truth about Jesus Christ, his word, not ours, to a lost and dying world. And that responsibility we cannot relinquish. We need to guard it, proclaim it, and proclaim it properly. There is a responsibility for those who hear and understand, watchmen, what they hear is critical. That's what they hear is our responsibility. But they have a responsibility. Look at verse 3. It says of the watchman, the watchman, in my words, sees the sword coming upon the land and blows the trumpet and warns the people, then he who hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning, a sword is going to come and take him away. His, his blood will be on his own head. But if he heard the sound of the trumpet and did not take warning, his blood will be on himself. But, he had, but had he taken warning he would have had his life delivered. Responding to the warning, responding to the word of God is in the hands of those who hear it. In most of our lives, somewhere along the line, people have, have taught us about Jesus Christ. Blew me away when I had a friend of mine at work who actually came, uh, we were at a conference in Las Vegas, sat down at dinner with me and said, can I share Jesus Christ with you? I said, I'm in Las Vegas. This was before I was a believer. I said, I'm in Las Vegas, dude. You know where you're at? So what are you doing? He said, I'm coming here to tell you about Jesus Christ. I go, if God sent somebody to Las Vegas to, to talk to me about, about him, I better listen. Most of us have people who come to us at some point in time, and then we had to make a decision. We had to either reject it or we had to re- accept it. If we rejected it, the consequences would be on our hands. We had no one else to blame but ourselves. We had knowledge, we had information, and we weren't lacking for evidence. No one lacks evidence. And no one has excuses. Hold your place in Ezekiel. Take a look at Romans chapter 1. The evidence is there. We, we don't lack it, folks. We don't lack We have no excuses for the evidence that we have around us. Paul tells us in Romans 1, beginning with verse 18. He says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, unrighteousness, of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Let me tell you something. The word suppress does not mean that they're suppressing something that they haven't heard. They've heard it. They have the evidence. They have the knowledge. They they. It's there. It's right there in front of them. They suppress it. They choose to suppress it. 
in their unrighteousness, they say, I don't want it. I heard it. Don't want it. Thank you very much. Because that which is known about God, in verse 19, is evident within them, for God has made it evident in them. Let me tell you guys something. We are all part of the creation. And we think ourselves, well, we're, we're different. We're different from mountains, rivers, and lakes, but that's creation. No. We are creation. God has created us in his image. He has created mountains. He's created rivers. He's created lakes. He has created all that. We are part of creation. And the evidence is within us. We know it. We can't ignore it. He says, For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power, His divine nature, who God is, have been clearly seen, being understood through what was made. That's us. So that we have no excuses. Verse 21 goes on to say, For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. Let me tell you guys why we worship. Why worship here is so important. It's a heart condition. It's our attitude that we have towards God. Danny and Craig and the band, they lead us in worship. It's our, it's our giving back to God. It's our lifting up, our honoring of him and giving thanks to him. That's what worship is. It's praising him and giving him the glory because of who he's, what he's given to us and what he's done for us. That's worship. But they, they, those, those who reject Christ, became futile in their speculation and their foolish heart was darkened because they did not give honor and praise and glory and thanks to God who created them. If people hear the testimony of salvation through Jesus Christ by you, me, or someone else, and respond properly by repenting and turning and accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, then God forgives them. And he restores them into eternal life. And if they don't, then they're held responsible for that decision. Turn, if you would, to John 5.24. As you know, Pastor John tells us every week, wherever verse he's in, that's his favorite, that's the best verse in the Bible. Got it. This is the best verse in the Bible. So, you know, you might want to tell him. No, don't, please don't. Uh, this is the gospel. We're going to walk through it quickly. John 5.24 says this, Truly, truly. Let me tell you something. When Jesus says, truly, truly, he is saying, hello, I'm talking to you. Listen up. What I've got to say to you is important. Pay attention. He says, truly, truly, I say to you that he, that he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment and has passed out of death into life. He who hears and believes has eternal life. Then, Pastor John was talking last week, that man comes along and adds to that. He says, you know, well, no, you, know, you need to be circumcised. Or maybe you need to go out and be baptized. 
Or maybe you need to give a, a certain amount of money to the church in order to be, be able to be saved. Or you need to do so many push-ups and so many sit-ups and a whole bunch of other stuff that man burdens the gospel with. And Jesus says, no, I set you free. All you have to do is believe. It's your heart, it's your faith that you have in, your, in, a, in a Savior who died on the cross for our sins. Just like the, the, others, the thief that's, that was on the cross next to Jesus Christ, he didn't, there's nothing he could do. He couldn't do anything. And Jesus said, today, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Today. When we hear and believe, he says, you have eternal life and you have it now. And there's nothing else you can do because your faith is in what I've done. And I went to the cross for you. And it was forgiven. And when I said it was finished, it was finished. And it's your faith and it's your heart and it's your belief that saves you. And so he says here, you have eternal life. And when you have eternal life, you are no longer under judgment. The sword that God is talking to us about in Ezekiel that comes against those who reject Christ, who reject God, who live in disobedience, when it comes to those who hear and believe, stops. And it does not come. And those people who believe have moved from death to life. For those who hear and believe and accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, they have eternal life. They're no longer condemned in their sins, but they have eternal life through Him. And they've moved from sin to forgiveness. They've moved from darkness to light. They've moved from death to eternal life. And what's our condition, folks, before we hear and believe? We're dead and judged in those sins, in our sinfulness. So it's our hearing, believing that changes everything. And that's what we as watchmen have got to guard. We have to guard that truth that Jesus Christ is the way and the truth of life. We have to guard that it's only through faith and belief. Only through that. And not a bunch of other stuff that man wants to dump on top of the gospel and burden us with. Because Jesus Christ has set us free, and who he has set free is free indeed. Amen? There's some accountability that we need to talk about. There's accountability throughout the Bible. God's accountability is to, to those who how, to respond to God's word. How we respond to God's word is what our accountability is. And God, God loves those who are obedient to his word, but he deals harshly with those who don't. Look at back on verse uh, chapter 33 of Ezekiel on verse verse 8 he says when i say to the wicked a wicked man you are surely going to die and you do not speak to warn that wicked from his way that wicked man is still going to die but the blood he said i'm going to require from you the watchman but if you on your part warn a wicked man to turn from his way and he does not turn from his way he still dies he still dies because he rejects Christ. He rejects God. He said, but you, the watchman, you've delivered your life. The opportunities to, to warn people are all around us, and they come to us in different forms and different ways. And whether we share it at work, or whether we do so in our living rooms, or even from the pulpit, our responsibility doesn't change. 
And we don't have the right to water it down, make it culturally relative, or make it user-friendly. We are doing those who hear a deadly misservice when we do. For those of you who are here, perhaps searching or visiting, maybe even seeking or investigating this person called Jesus Christ, I want you to know that you're not here by accident, not a mistake. You didn't walk into the wrong room by error. You're here because God has brought you here. Our promise to you is that we will tell you what this book says. We're not going to tell you what we think it says. We're not going to tell you what we believe it says. We're not going to reinterpret it for somebody. It's going to tell you what it says. We promise you that we're not going to lie to you about it, and we're not going to sugarcoat it in a more, in, to, to trick you into believing what we believe. We want you to come to know Jesus Christ based on his words, not ours. Not ours. His truth. For the watchman who sounds the, the warning, he's relieved of his responsibility. For the watchman who does not warn then God will come and, and bring accountability upon him. And what that looks like, I don't know. I don't know what God's judgment and accountability is for those who do not hold fast to the word of God. I don't know. Quite frankly, I don't want to find out. I'm just going to kind of go down that path as best I can. For those who hear, then you have a decision that you need to make. There's some encouragement in all this I want to share with you. I want you to turn. You can leave Ezekiel now and turn to Acts chapter 20. Pastor John hasn't quite got there yet. Uh, He'll be there in probably another year and a half. (laughs) Paul is speaking to us here in Acts. uh, And and where where Paul is, Paul's in, in, in Asia, and he's in the town of Miletus, which is just south of Ephesus. And he's on his way to Jerusalem. And he knows and he's been warned that if he goes to Jerusalem, there's going to be dangers. There's going to be troubles. And, and he may lose his life. And he's, he's concerned about that, not because of dying, but he's, he, he, because of the work he's got to do. But he's, he knows he's going to Jerusalem. He's going to be dealing with a lot of people who hate him and want to kill him. And so he brings the elders of, the, of, of Ephesus down to him, and he speaks to them and listens to his words. He says, and now behold, in verse, I'm sorry, verse 25 of chapter 20, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. So he knows what's ahead of him. He says, therefore, I testify to you this day. He's saying, I'm putting the line in the, in the sand today. And I want you to know who I am. I'm making my stand. And my testimony to you today is that I'm innocent of the blood of all men. Because he knew what Ezekiel said. He knew what, what God had told Ezekiel. He knew that as a watchman that he had to go out and preach God's word. He had to warn the people. And if he didn't warn them, that the blood would be on the hands of those who by God had told him to go out and teach and to preach and to warn and had not. He knew that. And he could stand before these men these elders, and he can stand before you and me through this word and say, relative to that issue in Ezekiel, I'm clean. I'm innocent of the blood of all men. He goes on to say in verse 27, says, I did not shrink. I did not shrink 
from declaring to you the whole purpose of God, the whole truth of God. You see, Paul understood his responsibilities. He understood that God had called him to be a watchman. He understood that God had called him to protect the flock. He knew that God had called him to protect and to guard his word. And he understood that he was called to preach that word accurately. And he could say to all of us, he says, you know something? I've run the race. I've fought the good fight. And I've finished the course and I have kept the faith. And he said, but that road is not easy. For you and me, it won't be easy. We have family members and friends who are going to leave us and walk away from us and be angry with us. He tells us in 2 Corinthians, he says, let me tell you what that looks like. He said, I've been beaten times without number. I've received, you know, five times I received the Jew, from the Jews 30 lashes. Three times I've been beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. And the night and the day I've spent in the deep. He said, I've been on frequent journeys. I've been in dangers from rivers and dangers from robbers. Dangers from my countrymen and dangers from the Gentiles. Dangers in the cities. Dangers in the wilderness. Dangers in the sea and dangers from false brethren. And I've been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst and often without food and cold and exposure. He says this, guys, but apart from all that, apart from my physical issues, he says, there is the daily pressure of me on me of concern for all the churches. See, Paul understood that he could guard the word of God. He knew that he could treat it properly, that he could preach it properly. He knew that he could do it. He knew that he could handle the beatings and, and, and the people who would come against him. He knew that he could withstand that. But his concern was whether you and I could. He was more concerned about whether we're going to hold that line. Are we going to compromise? Are we, are we willing to go through the pain of standing up and teaching and preaching and sharing God's word properly? His life was his testimony as to what it takes to be a watchman. And through all that, he could stand and say that he was innocent of the blood of all men. He didn't waver. He didn't blink. He didn't stutter. And neither should we. And I ask Craig to come up, and we're going to close this today with, with some worship. It's our desire here at the Rock Community Church that this church and all of us who are part of this church be watchmen. Whether that be from this pew, from this pew or from this pulpit. And we all should take that responsibility very seriously so that we can stand with Paul and Ezekiel and Jeremiah, Daniel and all the other prophets, that God is called to be watchmen and we can testify to our Lord that our hands are clean. We've fought the good fight. We've run the race. And we too are, are innocent of the blood of all men. Our lives are a living worship. And how we worship our Lord and Savior is in how we live and how we act. Things we say, 
way we care for people, the way we treat people, and more importantly, how we handle his word, how we guard it, how we protect it, how we proclaim it. That is our testimony. That's our legacy. We worship big God. We were made to worship an incredible, amazing, beautiful, indescribable God. A holy God. That's what we were made to do. And we were called, folks, we were called by God to be watchmen for Him. Amen? Let's, let's stand and close in prayer and join Craig. Father, what a blessing that you have given us. You've given us your word, Lord. And Lord, we just pray that, Father, that we would be the watchmen that you've called us to be. You have raised us up, Lord, and given us your truth, your word. Lord, Lord we, just, we just want to proclaim it right. We don't want blood on our hands. We want to be able to come before people and just tell them what you've told us to tell them. That Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life. And there is no other way. So, Father, we thank you for that. We praise you for that. We worship you, Lord. For all that you've given us, we say thank you. And we honor you, Lord. So today, Father, we just ask that you would bless each and every person here, that you would strengthen them, give them courage so that they can stand and hold that line in their lives. We pray all these things in Jesus' holy and precious name. And all God's people said, praise God.